Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, March 12th, 2018, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. Happy Daylight Savings Day. Ah! Time. Time. It's sunny out. It means it's going to be sunny for later. It's That's not that sunny means, out. Right? It's sunny. There's the sun. I can see the sun. <laughs> what? You're only like three miles away from me. It is I not sunny. I behind some clouds, but the sun is out. What do you yeah. want from me? I don't know. How's everybody feeling on this glorious <laughs> Monday morning? Uh, afternoon. It's Whoa. it's afternoon. It's not really the morning at all. Uh, I'm Austin Walker. Joining me, obviously, the the apparently the sun hating Danielle Riendo. I love the sun, but it is cloudy, gloomy ass day. Also, hi. Hi. Also <laughs> joining me today, Patrick Klepek. How do you feel? I, I, I'm a, Rob. What what the fuck do you have? You work from home too. Like daylight savings time is like the greatest day of the the calendar year because it means it is not f- dark at four o'clock <laughs> when we work from home. Which like the, my productivity goes off a cliff at four o'clock because I I look behind me and like oh the sun's gone. It's dark out now. <laughs> is, is that a work from home thing? I think it's an everything everybody thing. Yeah, really. Uh, but. Look, here's the thing. I don't object to like you shifting time so that like it's lighter it's lighter later in the day. Yeah. That's fine. That's whatever. It is that once a year you jump forward an hour. You lose an hour of your weekend, but more importantly, if you work from home, uh something that you really really become dependent on okay. is like schedules that you keep and rhythms that you can sort of follow yourself, right? Because like you don't have a ton of like external pressures to sort of keep you on track with that so it's like kind of a delicate it's a delicate balance it's a fine-tuned machine over here patrick (laughs) and when you just lose an hour and you get up and suddenly it's like late morning and not mid-morning and then you're playing catch up for the rest of the day and you realize like holy shit i'm just going to be an hour behind for the entire week and I'm going to feel slightly exhausted because I still can't fall asleep on time, which means I'm sleep like I'm either sleeping in or in the case of today, uh, I got up on time and I'm running on like three, four hours of sleep. Yeah, that's fun. That's yeah. cool. All right. So Horrible. you're saying if we if we if we passed a law and just said this is the last one, we've switched. We're here. Then then we're on the same page. Your problem is that it's it, it messes with your biorhythms when we're switching back and forth. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. And All also, right. then we're not, we're not that kind far of apart. We're we, not that wait, far wait, Here's apart. a question. Wait, why do we switch the other way later in the year? This is the thing that I learned once, and it's been a long time since I've thought about it. Farmers, so I, right? That's what they say. What except, except for was it Arizona? They passed. They did. They did. Yeah, they Arizona the dream. doesn't do it. And and um, parts of uh, Indiana. 
Yeah, yeah like uh, uh, that's right. That? Parts of Indiana. That's true. like Notre Dame doesn't. That's not have. far from me. I could go South Bend. Is that right? South Bend, ah, sure. Indiana. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Just go there, Patrick. Just move there. No more daylight savings for you. Oh, I'm daylight sorry. spendings. That's where. That's what Patrick wants. Yeah, well, well then the, there's the whole like capitalist conspiracy aspect of this, which we should not <laughs> overlook. Right? I'm, I'm like, all ears. Let's go. Daylight savings time <laughs> didn't used to be as long as it is. Like, like I don't mean an hour. I mean like it didn't run for as much of the year. Like I think it was daylight savings. Uh, we keep it later into the year, and we start it earlier than we used to, in part because. I think it was like the National Organization of Retailers lobbied to have that changed because they figured out that if like if it's lighter later, people do more shopping. And so there was wow. kind of this like effort just to like change how we define like parts of the day so that we could go and be good little consumers because in a lot of ways this entire system is about transforming American citizens into resources that can be strip mined by their economy. Right. Sure. I just want to point this out. There's a headline here. It's one of those like the like t- it's telling of the times. 2013, November 1st, 2013, different time. Daylight. This is in the Atlantic. Daylight savings time is America's greatest shame. <laughs> Daylight savings time is is the greatest continuing fraud ever perpetrated on the American people. Ugh. Wow. Different times. Different. Different Easy there, Ian. Yeah, uh-huh. it wasn't Ian. Sadly, sadly, I can't point to Ian on oh. this one. This this was uh, Alexander Abad Santos, but still Atlantic. I I'm fine with I'm fine with going to town with daylight savings time. Greatest fraud, greatest of shame. Maybe maybe a bit much. Uh, I slept a lot this weekend. I did I did uh, I did my like catch up sleep for the year. I guess because I went to bed <laughs> at like four. 4 or 5 uh, a.m. one night and woke up at that, that same number but p.m. And that was after <laughs> that was after the daylight savings time hour already happened. Did you so feel I, good? No, I felt terrible. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, yo, something hit me. Like I felt so bad. Don't do that. It was the fucked up thing was like I looked at my my uh my phone the night before and I was like, should I set an alarm for like 11? That's a that's you know what? That's what I should. I should set an alarm. like nah, fuck it. I'll just sleep till 12. Nope, slept till 4. 4 <laughs> Forty-five, something like that. Oh, oh my day. god! It was, dude. It was bad. I don't like. I don't know what happened because normally I sleep. At most, I sleep eight hours. Like I get a full eight hours, and I'm up, and I'm just like, all right, I'm up now. That's it. I'm good to go. Twelve What's hours. Be great is in a couple days when people start asking you about things they saw you doing that day. Right. Right. Where, right. Where where people are like, man, what were you doing in Midtown on <laughs> Sunday? On Sunday, that was right. You know, I was in town. Why didn't you? I saw you there. You said you were busy, but you know. Like, I, I don't know. I guess I had some things to do. Yeah, I had to you know, do some were... errands, some sleepwalking <laughs> Walk errands. It, you were sleep shopping because of the fucking <laughs> <'Cause> new... Because <laughs> of daylight savings. That's the secret trick. They're wake up, sheeple. They're going li- to actually, yeah, literally wake up. Because if you don't, you're going to turn into a, a zombie consumer. God. Jesus. Uh, I, what I actually did was I played some video games. I played a few video games over the weekend. Um, I, I The one I'm not going to spend any time talking about is Dragon's Dogma, but let me oh. just remind everybody that Dragon's Dogma is still a good game that makes me feel good. That's what I did uh, that night that I woke up after 12 hours of sleep. I was like, I gotta I gotta feel like me. I gotta feel like myself. What can I do? I, I'll play Dragon's Dogma for a little bit. Give uh, us the MMO! Seriously, just give it to us. We need to look into like how hard it would be to proxy our way into that thing. Um, did you know that that team is partly, at least, the Monster Hunter team? 
or like that team went on to co-make Monster Hunter World. Yeah, I think like that, was it like I think the lead went on to he's working on that unannounced Devil May Cry, and mm-hmm. then yes, like a huge amount of the team of Dragon's Dogma, rather than making Dragon's Dogma two, uh, oh, went on. Sad. But then, but hey. But imagine uh, oh, if they made imagine, Dragon's Dogma 2 oh and it was as good as Monster Hunter World. I would lose oh. my shit. Oh, I'm so upset now. Uh, anyway, Just I take that Monster Hunter World and put... Yep, okay. Never uh-huh. mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yep. Uh, I also played some Metro 2033, which we're also not going to talk about, because tomorrow we're actually going to record our Metro 2033 Waypoint 101. So if you have questions, you should email those in to gamingadvice.com, and I'm sure our host Rob Zachney will be happy to find the, the best ones. <laughs> Uh, we have a form over on the threads. Or over on the hmm, try on the threads. It. We got a thread over on the form <laughs> those about threads. it, uh, and I've been streaming it some. So there's some archive. If you haven't watched any of it, if you haven't seen any of it, I've streamed like four or five hours of it. So you can find that over on our Twitch archives. There are links in the in the uh, the thread on the forms. So go check those out. Uh, other than that. It was actually kind of a quiet game. The stuff that I have for gaming to talk about is, like, not out yet. Um, but we did write about it, which is Far Cry 5. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw that, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago now. Stories just went up on the site recently. Um, the review should be, should be you know, the next couple of weeks as, as they send in send over a review copy soon. Uh, but we never really talked about it here. We just did a stream, and we and I did some articles. I was curious if people had Far Cry questions, because I certainly still do. I mean, I have so many, but can they be answered before? I don't know. Like that's. I, I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing about that game, right? Is that after seeing it for as long as I did, so I played it for about three hours. Um, you know, interviewed the creative director Dan Hay and one of their consultants, one of their their cult consultants, Mia Donovan. Um, and and you know had the the walkthrough of like what the new systems were and blah blah blah. There's stuff there that I think I can answer pretty definitively. Um, where I think that they're making some big improvements as it uh, you know on it as an open world franchise. I think that the new system for quests is so much better than climb a tower and get 15 things added to your map. You now kind of get this organic trail from one thing to another. You talk to somebody, you rescue someone and they go like, "Oh, I heard that they're they're, you know, uh force forcibly baptizing people over on the river by such and such place." And like that adds an outpost to your map or it adds like a, a another rescue to your map or you find a a newspaper or you find a, a fishing magazine and that adds fishing locations to the map or you find a a flyer you know that's been pinned to a telephone pole that says like wild cougar has been attacking people lately there's a bounty out for it and that's how you add that to your to your map instead of just like i climbed a tower and now there are 15 things on my map um and i like that system quite a bit and i think there's other stuff there that just totally works there's a buddy system that i think is really fun um but like i have no idea if they're gonna if they are even going to try to stick the landing on the thematic narrative political front um and there has been so much like back like backwalking from the from the original pitch which had to do mostly with militias and mostly well, to yeah. do with so that's yeah, something i wanted to ask you about is because like yeah the initial pitch seemed to be like militias like there's trouble in the heartland folks yes. things are going yes. sideways and then and this cults last did come up. I want to be clear. There was the, the I want that I don't want to misrepresent the initial pitch that they that they gave us at Judges Week. The word cult was of course said, and there were there was talk about extremist religious movements too. But they leaned really hard into the militia stuff. They leaned really hard into it. Right. And now this most recent 
like event and sort of the resources they were making available to reporters, uh, they were really going out of their way to be like, we're about cults. Mm-hmm. Like, we know all about cults. We know all about you cults. You got cult questions? We're well, here to answer them. <laughs> you know, one of the I, – I wrote this in the, the preview piece, but there's a lot of like – not all malicious happening in this game, or at least some of it, right? Like the the <laughs> wow. seriously the so so I mean, it starts like right away in the sense you, the the game opens by you going in to kind of try to arrest this cult leader. Um, there's kind of a mysterious evangelical apocalyptic cult. You know, there's a cross, but there no one's mentioned Jesus by name yet. The word God has come up a bunch uh, in that opening, um, and. Uh, this is someone who believes that the, the end times are coming and everyone needs to prepare for it and everyone needs to like join up, get in that, get in that bunker or whatever. I, I'm not sure what the specific end times of this faith look like, um, but get ready for it. And you got to be a prep. You got to be prepped. You got to be a prepper. prepper. And then immediately you're saved by a prepper. Like immediately you're saved by a prepper who just looks exactly like the creative director of this game. He's like a... <laughs> Like a big white dude with a good beard and like and just like very None intense face. Nothing. Eh. I'm not judging. Rob, listen, live your life. <laughs> um, but you also are not a prepper, as far as I know. Like this guy's like the other guy who saved you is just like, oh yeah, bad stuff's coming. I gotta get. We've been, I've been getting ready. I have like this bunker filled with guns. And like, are you? You're the good one. Okay, I guess we're all together now. Cool. Um, and then yeah, one of the first factions that you're supposed to meet up with is just another local militia, and it's like. There, it ve- it feels very defensive in a sense of like, okay, well, we can't. Not all militias, not all preppers, not all <laughs> dudes, you know, not all white evangelicals. Um, and and like, of course, there is there is a diversity of experiences. Of course, I, I there are groups. You know, one of my favorite Facebook groups is a is a is a kind of a radical Marxist uh, like Southern uh group uh i forget the actual name of it but it's really fucking good and really heartfelt and it's like a sort of leftism that that doesn't begin in in kind of coastal cities and so it's just like very authentic and very like reflect reflects an actual working class background um it's really great and so like yes of course there's a diversity of experiences in rural america that i'm not saying that it all boils down to like fuck rural america uh but there's a lot of like talking out of both sides of your mouth in this Mm. in, in this game um and uh, and thematically, like I don't think anything shows that more than there was a there's an encounter early on with. Do y'all remember Herc from the last two games, three and four, Cry three and four? Also in Primal, there is a Herc ancestor. Really thought you meant a different Herc. Herc from from the Wire. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's overlap in those two character types. Uh, Far Cry's Herc is maybe a little less. Um, He's less intentionally an asshole, I suppose. Yeah, totally. Um, you meet his dad in this. He he shows up, and his dad shows up, and his dad is like a uh a senatorial candidate. Um, uh, presumably for the Republican Party because he's uh, the the kind of mission for him is that you his campaign truck gets stolen, and uh, you have to go get it back. And he uh, says, "Tell the tell them what it, the campaign truck's name is." Oh, sorry, the campaign truck is Nancy, uh, named after the the greatest first lady of all time. Um, and direct so, like, quote right there. Direct quote. I think that that's like. I think that's like. Okay, that's a pretty funny. Okay, you've characterized this guy. I get it. He's the sort of guy who has a campaign truck named after Nancy Reagan. Sure. Um, follows that up by saying, like, if if you don't get that, if if the Obama loving libtards see that I'm so weak that my truck got stolen, I'll never hear the end of it. And it's like, whew, okay, who's that joke for? Like, 
The jokes for me, because I'm supposed to be like, this fucking guy, fuck this guy, this guy sucks, ha ha ha. But it's also for anybody who actually says the words Obama-loving libtards, where it's like, this fucking guy, this guy's great. And there's a lot of that throughout the game, um, in, in so far as I've played it so far. And this is the thing, is like, there's a limit to what I can say here, because games like this, games like Far Cry often will, like, drizzle, uh, drizzle, like, you know, <clears> kind <throat> of drizzle out a bunch of different feelings throughout their side characters and try to appeal to a bunch of different audiences in a bunch of different ways. Um, and then they still kind of end up presenting a through line that you can then see the rest of those things orbiting around. So like in three, it didn't really matter that there were characters who I did like throughout that experience or who that I thought were kind of interesting because the through line was so poisonous for me. It was so just like this main dude sucks so bad. They're never confronting his own shittiness. Like it ends up just being this really gross power fantasy of this like white savior coming to save these people. Um, And in 4, the opposite was true, which was like, I generally disliked a lot of what was on the edges of that game. And I think mechanically it didn't go far enough forward, but like the through line, I actually resonated with me in, in a real way, and I liked the, the major characters, or at least was interested in them. Um, and so it's hard to say at this point what's up with Far Cry 5, in terms of like whether or not it sticks that landing, but I'm very frustrated by the like the fact that that initial pitch was so heavy on an angle that they have since had to walk back. And I don't know if that reflects changes in the game or if that just reflects changes in the marketing. And I guess we'll see, you know? The thing for me, uh, obviously seeing a lot of the footage and being somewhat excited for it, I suppose, based somewhat on that, you know, that original angle, but also the fact, like you, I I think, Austin, I had a lot of fun with 4. And I I sort of enjoyed 4 a lot and thought 4 not fixed, but at least uh, attempted to make steps towards sort of fixing what sucked about three um (laughs) i guess we're in this weird time now where i am more conscious than ever about like do i do i really have the time for this if this is going to be a really milquetoast thing about something that i think is actually toxic in america like it do do i really have the time for certain things or or the the sort of ability to hand wave anymore and i don't know obviously we're not talking about just this game but that idea to me is is really present whenever I'm thinking about uh, this game coming out. Yeah, it's it's one of those tough things where you know it's also going to be a big meaty experience, right? right. It's going to take <laughs> dozens of hours to get through, and and I think like many games like this, and like many Ubisoft games, it's going to be squirrely about about whether or not you like it. Like, I think about Watch Dogs 2, which is a game I came away by the end of it really liking, <clears throat> but there were moments where I was like, man, fuck this game. Um, and it sometimes takes a lot of time for me to work my, my head around it, but I, uh, to some degree, it's like, that's the job, um, but it's, I don't know, we, we had this talk with Kingdom Come Deliverance, right? Like, there is there is definitely, uh, as there are more and more games released, as Steam just becomes a fucking flood of new games every single day, there are countless things we could be doing with our time, you know? Right. Um, that said, I'm I'm curious. I have such a deep curiosity about this that I'm going to keep digging in. Uh, I'm excited to, to review it, uh, and, and we'll see how it all shakes out, you know? Um, if you want to know more of like thoughts on this, again, waypoint.vice.com, just search for Far Cry 5. Uh, we also did a, a kind of a, a pretty long let's play of, or a view, or not a let's play, but a, uh, kind of a, we talked over footage I'd captured while playing um, and answered a lot of questions there. So if you have questions that we did not just answer in this last little five minute bit, uh, definitely go look that up. That's over on youtube.com slash waypointvice. 
Um, what else? What have, what have y'all been playing since I've been talking about things I, I don't want to talk about or can't talk about too much? What, what have y'all been actually digging into? It sounds like Danielle and I have been playing a lot of the same game, actually, yep. although it sounds like she's played maybe 40 hours more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you want to start, Patrick, or do you want to... Uh... Well, I'm actually more curious to start with uh, your turn on the game, okay. and then I can I can jump in uh, from there. But yeah, we're both playing a lot of uh, into into the breach. I have a, I'm I'm at a curious point that was uh, played out in our Discord that I can get to, but I'm 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 curious to hear your thoughts on where you went from a game that you weren't very into to went we're very into, and then it sounds like you might be on that same point again. So oh, I still can't stop. I'm just it's, it's <laughs> Stockholm syndrome at this point again. So uh, what happened? And like I honestly, I Steam tells me I have like 50 hours in. I, that's not entirely accurate because I do kind of keep it on during the I was going to say, a according, bit. like either you have no. been doing no work last week or you, as <laughs> right. I later surmised, I believe she's just leaving into the breach on. Yeah. And it's I just, am. <laughs> it's, on, it's on right now, to be honest. Yeah, it is on right now. Uh-huh. It's in the background. I just, I'm Definitely just staring at a screen it of it. Right that's all. 100% not. Oh, it's just on in the background. Friends. Fine. If Danielle fine. gets really quiet. She's just listening to you guys. Just, uh-huh. I'm listening just paying intently. close attention. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, so with this game that I've played way too much of and it's starting to ruin my life, I uh, I started out uh, you know, sort of enjoying it, yes, because I, I love the way it looks, and I and I think I like tactics games. I guess this is something I found out about myself recently with uh, Mario versus Rabbids, where I, I think I 100%ed it, or came very close to 100%ing it. Um, and this, uh, apparently I like tactics games. This is new, um, but it, it, you know, it, it looks great. It has a really awesome theme and it's, it's very, very, very satisfying when you actually do things right. I was really floundering. It's approachable though. too, right? Like I think that's it the is, commonality yeah. you're finding between, uh, Rabbids and, and this Rabbids does a lot more handholding sure. because I think Rab- Rabbids wants to teach you. Rabbids is more interested in you having successes and then applying those successes, whereas Into the Breach is more interested in you having failures and applying the lessons from those failures. <laughs> yes. But they're both, um, but, but they're, they're both approaching the same question from different angles. Um, uh, but they both are, I think, ultimately in the pantheon of strategy games, uh, like very even at, like like yourself, like someone that doesn't consider themselves a tactics person playing a lot of strategy games. Both of these games are, are you at least curious? Then like these games are, you know, you know, openings into seeing and kind of playing around with the genre. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was, I was having a, a really hard time with, especially with permadeath. I just was not prioritizing things well enough at first. And then I had this breakthrough and I wrote about it a little bit last week where I sort of was like, no, it's triage, man. I just have to think about it as triage is like treating. I have to think about it like an EMT, basically, like treat the ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation, treat life threats, you know, basically, and, and sort of just shifting what that actually means in terms of the human body to what that in, means in terms of this game. In terms and then, of giant bugs that are threatening cities. Yes, yeah, exactly. Life threats. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this was going for the carotid. You got to you got to deal with that before you go with somebody <laughs> who's going to break your toe. So, right, yeah, sure. That's basically how I sort of reframed it in my mind. And then I was like, fucking yes, and immediately made a ton of progress and am like very consistently able to get through at least an island. And then uh, now I'm kind of having trouble with the second island. I'm consistently getting to like the end of a second island and then I'm, I'm having trouble again. But I'm uh, convinced that I will break through again at some point and i'm sure i believe in you i believe in you i believe in me too it's just like i'm at at the point where i'm playing so much of it i'm dreaming about it so i (laughs) 
<laughs> oh wow, you're in. Yeah, I'm you're, in it, it all you. the way. It has you whether you wanted to or not. Yeah, it has its buggy claws like in my brain <laughs> right now, really, really deep. Uh, I, I think it's a really great game. I, I am still like a little annoyed about certain things, but I, I man. Well, what's the stuff that annoys? Because I'm curious, you know, like Austin, Rob, they come at these games. I'm, I'm more on your end, where like yeah. we're sort of newcomer. Like, what, what's the stuff that's uh, that's annoying you about it? I'm curious how much is endemic to strategy games, or how much is specific to what Into the Breach is trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm at a point now where permadeath isn't uh, ruining my life. It was for a long time uh, <laughs> because I really was like losing my best pilots all the time and and completely on a treadmill and not making any progress because of that until I sort of learned the prioritization thing. Now I'm at the point where I just really wish things like upgrades didn't feel so random. Uh, Like when you get a time pod and it gives you an upgrade, I'm always like, oh, a shiny new toy and I'll put it on and then I will not properly use it. I won't test it. I'll just be like, yeah, great, good. I'm I'm good at this game. I put 50 hours in. So it's, it's hubris really is my main problem and the fact that the game has no patience for me being a a a toddler who wants to play with toys basically which is sort of (laughs) like my gaming approach to everything i like to play with everything and test everything out in a game and not in like a safety room in a game uh so there's an element of like you know immediately when you fucked up yeah and that's made it a bit of a difficult game for me to play consistently because like I mean, I am somebody who, like, stops everything if there's, like, a perfect score that I can chase. Mm. Like, and Into the Breach... <laughs> good, good, good luck to, with this game. I had yeah. to get over that. I had to get over that, too, 100%. <laughs> right. And, and and so, like, there are I'm those so... things where you know that, oh, there was an optimal way to play this. And especially, like, yeah, you get a new tool, you get a new ability, or you modify <sighs> one of your existing abilities. And it doesn't feel like... You can't just, like... It never feels like there's a free moment to go like, you know, I just get in there and fuck around with this. Yeah. It's always like every move matters. Like, don't be an idiot. Like every time an apartment block goes down and it like if that happens at all, I feel like garbage. But if it happens and I didn't like choose to let it go down, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. I found myself in a position where like, oh, I just I left myself no out there and I had to eat that. I'm immediately like, well, this run is basically ruined. (laughs) So I abandoned (laughs) dozens of, of timelines just completely just like, all right, I'll just start over because I lost, because I had like a bad first two maps. uh, And I had to, it was really hard for me, but I had to get over that and just push as far as I could into each run instead. And then I immediately started winning because I was able to, I'd gotten once I started getting enough experiences, experience letting myself lose. I was able to to kind of right the ship, and it was really hard to get there, especially coming off of FTL, where minor losses like the hole being damaged feel so fixable compared to here, where like I think partially it's because you only get to buy stuff and repair your your um your grid. Uh, your power grid once after each island, which means yeah. there's long periods of time where they really stretch you out and they go like, all right, like, are, do you have enough to get through this next one? You do not have a chance to repair before it. Good luck. And you have to push through that stuff. And it was really hard for me to not hit those spaces and be like, oh, fuck it, I'll start over. Um, but once I did, that's when I started making really good progress and filling out all the different achievements, stuff like that. And that's the other big one for me was I started doing runs where I was like, all right, this whole run is about getting this one achievement. And that's going to be how I play around in this game is like, I want to just get the one where I whip through 10 different tiles. 
I'm not trying to win. It's okay if shit gets hurt. Fuck it. I'm going to try to get this 10 whip achievement. And then maybe also on the way, get this other achievement on the side or like make progress to the civilian saved one or, or whatever. Um, and that structure helped me get over that feeling of like, if I'm not, if I'm not being perfect, then it's, it's not worth continuing. That said, now I think I've wrapped back around to that perfect play thing, at least on normal. I haven't dug into hard yet. Um, I hear hard is just like brutal in terms of what the turns they set up are. Um, Great. Because like right now I can look at 90% of my normal turns and find an optimal solution. It's just about time because I've just gotten the rules down right for what they set up as a normal turn. Um, I have no idea if this is true or not, but as I've put in, you know, I have like 30 hard hours in the game. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I don't have it on in the background when I'm playing it. It's like the only thing I'm doing. And so at this point, my understanding from play is that the turns that they set up most of the time will have a solution. Um, they will have a way for you to free every building, if not kill every enemy. Um, and, and that's at least on normal. I don't know that that's true on hard. God. I believe that hard is, is like actually the difficulty there is just about like what situations the AI prepares for you to encounter. Um, and so, yeah, like that's, that's, I'm wrapping back around to that perfectionism and on normal, but now I have the skill set to actually execute on it. Um, and that's one of the things that's so interesting to me about this game is that like it does have permadeath. But even without permadeath, even just, like, as it naturally plays, you never can, like, level up to the degree that you can power through something through, like, numbers alone. You yeah. always, it always still comes down to positioning and, and like, uh, kind of what play you're making and not just, like, do I have the strength? You also need the strength. You also need enough of behind that rocket fist to actually kill the damn thing. And so you do have to be smart about how you level up your characters, but, like... I do feel, yeah. though, like after Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, and The Witness, we should have recognized that this was – this had potential to be Danielle's Swamps of Sorrow <laughs> and maybe get ahead of the situation. Yeah, it's true. It's true. God. We failed. We failed her. Yeah, so thanks, Patrick, guys. Wait, what's, your, what's your situation? Well, so uh, I, I kind of dip in and out of the game. Like when my uh, kid takes a nap, I'll like boot up like the – I've had this uh, one really good – run going i made a really an, an error that maybe almost abandoned the timeline so I'm, I'm playing as the the squad that has the the mech with the electric uh whip um yes and so the the, the way this one uh is different like the the, the basic uh, opening squad is a lot of just like pushing tiles and that is like you know endemic to a lot of the different squads there's a lot of pushing objects around but um with this one it's uh so you have the the electric whip um you have um uh, one unit that can uh, shoot a, a boulder that can both act as a, an attack, but it doesn't do a ton of damage, and you're mostly using it to kind of push things around. And also, um, it can act as a conduit. So, like, let's right. say you have, you know, an enemy in front of you, a tile in between, and then an enemy uh, beyond that. If you put the boulder in the middle, you can suddenly, you know, attack all of them. And then you can use your own units uh, to, you know, act as conduit. So anyway, that's kind of like the, I've, I've put a, bu I started playing that squad felt like didn't make it past like the second like battle, but like just kind of kept banging my head against it. And now, um, I like, I play like I had a, like almost a perfect run on the first two islands. Like I was the same as you, Danielle, where yeah. I couldn't get past the second Island. And then all of a sudden just had like the run where it all started <laughs> clicking, 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 <laughs> made it through the, uh, the second Island, um, 
got to the third island and was like just stressed that like I'd made it this far <laughs> and was so worried about what I was going to lose. I'd lost like my main pilot that I'd been playing for like five hours. Oh. Um, but I decided to do the Austin thing rather than abandon the timeline or like, like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to just start over. Um, I mean, the pilot's dead. It's not like I could bring him back. But right. I was just I felt so defeated that like, oh, maybe that was so critical to my progress that I'm just not going to do anything. But actually, like, I've continued to, to push through. I made it through the third island. Um, uh, the third island was interesting because my, my battle, often you're trying to kill as many enemies as, as possible. But actually, the way the grid was set up for me and the amount of power, um, the amount of attack power I really had, like, my, instead what I did was, like, I actually just... It was a war of attrition. Like I was just moving <laughs> objects around and right, blocking right. off the boss in the in the third map, where I just was making sure that their attacks. The way the third uh, 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 the boss works is like I can set up like these fire streaks that can go across an entire set of tiles. Um, so I was just pushing them into a corner and then just trying to manage everything else. So I had killed like one or two enemies, but I mostly just had like eight things on the screen at once <laughs> that I was just like trying to manage and i think i only let like one or two buildings get hit and felt like that was a win by surviving through the turns but i finished that up yesterday afternoon and then asked austin like so once you finish the second map you have the option to go to uh the final island um and fit like finish the run or you can go to the fourth island and try and power up your uh your mechs more but then you also risk like it, it ratches up the difficulty right. by one notch every island that you continue to go to. So it's a balanced game of like, do you think you have enough to go to the end, or uh, should you like, kind of keep uh, progressing through? And I just I need I should probably go to the island, and I'm probably gonna die there, and it's gonna be it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but like I'm so <laughs> it, stressed because I put I put I've 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 put in like I felt so good about like like my arc of this that I just know what's gonna happen at that final island. And I just need to do it, but I I don't want to do it. Just and... play slow. Don't don't rush into anything. There's a there, there's a big one for me now while playing is am I getting enough out of any given turn? If I'm finishing a turn and all I've done is cleared one thing off the board, I that's probably not the optimal play. I can probably right. clear two and move one or lock one down or something or put something on top of an emergence spot or some other sort of like positive net thing for me and so like there's lots of thinking through a turn i mean it's, it's almost an extension of danielle's triage thing right mm -hmm. so so danielle your thing is like how do i protect or how do i how do i stop these these uh these current problems in stop the, the bleeding basically stop the bleeding exactly in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the priority in the order of their priority yeah. how do i make sure that the head wound is is taken care of first or whatever i don't i don't know from yeah, I mean, medical usually shit. pretty high up yeah okay yeah. it's high up on my body I mean, depends, so i felt like it but... must be important yeah. um <laughs> so that's one but like this the second thing you end up developing is this other sort of medical urge which is the preventive one right mm -hmm. like how do i get in front of whatever the next turn is and it's not even it's not chess style i know what the vec are going to do in three turns because i don't i don't have a fucking clue what they're going to do they, they move not randomly but they move in ways that i can't predict one time they'll attack this this building the next time they'll jump to they'll, they'll literally will jump over all of my shit and set up somewhere else so it's not about what they'll do in terms of what buildings they will attack but it is what they'll do generally and what types of things will they do and so things like blocking emergence points or if I'm using a, a something that has fog or fire, setting up, uh, setting those in places where it encourages 
there, it, it shuts down future possibilities for attacks or, or makes it harder for them to do. So, like, the Flame Behemoth set has a, a the, the kind of prime mech for that just has a flamethrower that doesn't do any damage unless something's already on fire, right? And if it does, have, if something is on fire, it does two damage to it. And so yeah. with that mech, whenever I have a chance between, you know, whether I'm attacking something from the left or the right, for instance, I always think, okay, which uh, it can it can flame out to two squares, to be clear. So it can kind of do like a, a two-shot line. And so sometimes it's like, okay, well, do I want to shoot this thing from the left side or the right side or the front or the back? Because what extra tile I set on fire and so suddenly at this point I'm now thinking uh, about future turns not necessarily like what to do the next turn but what to do what what might what could come up in this ensuing battle and how to prep so that those things are the most in line for me the same thing with with Patrick the with the blitz uh, squad you have the guy who throws the rock right well like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll throw that rock so that it lands in front of a building I'm trying to defend which will shut down that tile as a as a place that can where a bug can go to to attack that building um and so it's almost like a shield because it, the bug will have to destroy that building or that that rock first and so you end up seeing these things that are like okay the same basic strategy is move this thing out of the way from the from the collision of the rock the rocks like going to land next to it and push it away but do I do, do I do it from the left side or the right side? And once you start seeing that stuff and, and start adding onto that sort of the preventative uh, medical stuff, I don't know, like that's when it started to really click into place and I've started being able to consistently get through islands. Uh, and then the final battle is still fucking tough as hell. The final battle is still just like, you're going to get pushed to your limits, go slow, think about what you're going to do the next turn and, uh, and good luck. I believe in you, Patrick. I believe you can get this win under your belt. Speaking of things clicking into place. <laughs> sure. I think I'm starting to realize why you slept for 14 hours. <laughs> like, you're, like, you're, you're tired. Yeah. yeah. I've been at war, Rob. General I've Walker been, has had a long-ass week. It's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's only Monday. Uh, I've already had a long-ass week. No, but last week was long for a lot of reasons. One of them was definitely in my brain. My brain has been pushed further than, than it has been recently because Into the Breach is making me use all of my, my tactical brilliance in a way that even something like XCOM does not. Like, Into the Breach is not an XCOM. You don't get to just, like, fudge it now and then. I also you know? wouldn't say a lot of tactical brilliance has been on display in XCOM, but... Well, it hasn't pushed oh, me to be shit. there, is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, if XCOM was as hard as Into the Breach is, I think you... First of all, those streams would just be us silently looking. We should do an Into the Breach stream at some point, Rob, just so yeah. that, like, we can see if it, what the vibe is, because I bet it would be way less jokey and way <laughs> less, like, me slipping into character voices, and way more just like, hmm. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Hmm. Oh, fuck. Yeah, just like the Bunk McNulty fuck scene, except just like <laughs> giant bugs killing us over and over. Um, it's just such a different vibe for me. Like, that's the thing is that it doesn't scratch the XCOM itch for me at all. It doesn't scratch right. the fire the fire emblem itch for me even, or the Advanced Wars one. Like uh, it, it is a different thing. It is more chess like. It is more puzzly. Um, I I really 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 like it a bunch, and I'm hoping that other people find their way to to having. Uh, a positive relationship with this this <laughs> hell game that hates you. I feel like last last thing I'll say on this is that uh, it's probably my favorite game this year so far by like a giant stretch. <laughs> and hey, that's, last year at this yeah. time that was already that was saying a hell of a thing. So we'll see. Yeah, that's true. We'll that's see. Last, I mean, last year at this time was like such a wild thing in terms of releases, though. That's true. Comparatively, true. Um, awesome. Anyone else playing stuff this week other than other than Into the Breach? Well, so I just want to get a. Oh, go ahead. 
Well, we, so like we're talking let, about. Let's actually let's take a quick break before we, we continue. <laughs> yeah. Just remember, let's actually do that this time. Let's yeah. take a break. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take one. We're gonna take a break. We will be right back, and then Rob will talk about something obtuse, probably, but interesting. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. All right, we are back. Rob, hit us. Okay. So, I like chess-like games as much as the next person, for sure. Uh, But I also like really Baroque uh, military (laughs) combat sims. Oh, okay. And that is why, lately, I have been playing Command Ops 2, uh, which was a game we did for Three Moves Ahead... Uh, we do sort of an annual like wargaming series, uh, but I haven't been able to stop playing it. Uh, it is on the surface the driest looking like this yeah, looks Rob, like. I gotta tell you, this looks gray. Like the map doesn't even have color on it. <laughs> it's, it's a bit. What is, it, what is this game called again? Command just... Ops Two. Also, Man. wait a second. This just says no hexes exclamation point no micromanagement exclamation point. Well, okay, that second part is a fucking lie. That is <laughs> second part is one of the biggest lies in marketing I've ever heard. Is this game made in MS Paint? <laughs> you know, it looks a lot better once it's moving. Okay. Uh, but it does look like something that students at like the Army War College might be like right. required to play at some point. Totally. So uh, what is this that I'm looking at? It says check your range now. I'm checking it. <laughs> okay, so uh, Command Ops 2 is it, it is sort of a command simulator for World War II battles. And it sort of positions you at like, you're not quite commanding like the entire army, but you're like sort of mid-tier right like you're you're just you're just at a high enough level that like the individual placement of like particular weapon systems and squads like that doesn't matter to you you're giving your orders to people who worry about that stuff okay but it's about bringing all these complicated pieces together and having all these independent like fighting units coordinate their efforts to good effect to achieve the objective uh, the other thing what, what is, is the, can you can you explain to me what the view so so the map is like very very basic lots of grays and browns uh lots of just like oh here's like an eye here are like uh, here's a texture that i guess means some tree cover yeah. maybe there's some elevation data because like oh there's this gray is, yeah this gray is like a little bit darker and then that gray is much darker and i'm guessing that means that it's higher up um but like what is the how how big are these command how big are these operations in terms of like space like you said you you don't really care about particular weapon systems or something, but like, am I looking at miles on this screen right now? Am I uh, so if you bring yards? up the grid, it's uh, like a single map is going to run several kilometers across and 
several kilometers, uh, you know, north and south. Like you're, you're okay. talking like several square miles, um, okay. and some maps like many, many square miles. Uh, so like basically, if you were like commanding D Day, for instance, yeah. uh, the entire landing zone plus several miles inland would be on your map. Okay, like that's what you're looking at. Cool. Um, and in terms of like, what the experience let's, is... Let's use, let's use the D-Day uh, example, actually. That's a really good one. Talk me through what D-Day would look like in terms of what you're doing as a commander. Because I think everyone uh, listening has played a game or seen, you know, Saving Private seen Ryan Saving or seen Pri- something yeah, say, right. that has movie. had this sort of, of, yeah, D-Day style landing. Yeah, so have you ever seen, like, a war movie where, like, there's a certain point and, like, there's literally, I think, scenes like this in The Longest Day uh, where... People are gathered around like a command map or like a sand table exercise showing like what the operation is going to look like overall. And here are your assignments. You're the person standing there with like the pointer and handing out the orders to each individual like commander in the room. Uh, And so like what you'd be doing in the case of like say it's right after uh, the D-Day landings, you've established a beachhead, now you need to push inland. You'd be going around to like different uh, like – Subcommanders, you know, colonels, uh, majors, and giving telling them like, okay, your battalion is going to push up, you know, Route Three, and not you're not going to stop no matter what kind of resistance you hit until you capture like San San Lo, for instance. And meanwhile, moving in parallel on the next road over, uh, this armored division, every single unit in it is going to move up that road, uh, but it's going to be a probe if they run into problems. Halt, we'll figure out what to do next. That's kind of what you're doing. So and you're not, to be clear, that means that you're not, it's not like an RTS where you're clicking and then clicking on a point and saying, go here. Instead, what you're doing is like, or are you doing that? This is the genius. You can, you can do that, but okay. should you? Because the <laughs> thing about this game is that every time you give an order, and as units sort of push out there and start engaging in combat, the situation gets more chaotic. Units now have their own shit they're dealing with. If you are constantly like sending micromanagement orders in there, you're going to snarl the entire process because there's an orders delay that builds the battle gets more chaotic. Ooh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so like you might see something going down, <laughs> but then you look, and no orders of yours are likely to reach that unit for 40 minutes. Oh, and in 40 minutes, what's that situation going to be? Is your order right. even going to be, like, appropriate to the situation? Right. On your the, order can't be, like, it, like oh, back up into the forest. Like, by then, that forest's on fire. Like, the, the that unit has been already dispersed, and, like, they're not even going to be near a forest. They're near a river now. Why the fuck would you tell us right. to go into the forest? There's but no it forest might be. Here, asshole. You might need to do that, though, because the right. commander in charge is still probably going to be trying to execute your last order. Gotcha. And so, that, like, in 40 minutes, if you don't do anything, it's possible that that, like, attempt to execute your order is going to lead to a catastrophic fuck-up. <laughs> and so what you actually do need to do is race in there as quickly as possible, get somebody over there to say, like, look, this attack needs to stop, pull back to the tree line, <laughs> everyone go into defensive. And, like, feeling out that moment, like, when you need to do something and when you just need to, like, trust your subcommanders is really kind of the heart of this game. The other part of it is you've got like you can order you, you can issue orders directly to like a tank company for instance or you can talk to that tank company's like headquarters which will command every unit in that formation. So instead of one tank company it's got 5 under its command. Right. 
Right. So you can like do that, but that means that that headquarters unit is going to handle each of those subunits via the AI. Some way, right. Some way that you might not want. Right. So like So it's like very useful for moving a bunch of tanks, like a ton of tanks to a general front, but maybe not as useful for like, hey, capture this place because you probably have a specific way you want to capture it versus just like, hey, go do this and then the AI just throws them against the wall. Right. And the AI is not bad, but like exactly, like for those for like those key movements, you're probably going to want to issue really precise orders. And so that's the other thing is there's like a tool set it's a bit like a sports sim in some ways. You basically like outline the game plan for the attack for each unit. You can right. be like, okay, I want you to conserve ammo for this attack. If you run into resistance, any kind of resistance, just call things to a halt, whatever. Or you can give people the you know full green light and be like, if you see something anywhere, just open fuck the up. fuck up and Classic keep command going. line. Yeah, <laughs> just fuck them up. Fuck Pretty them much. Up. Uh, so like, what what do your orders look like? What orders do you cut? Um, and it's just, it's, it's this really cool experience of like basically dealing with the ambiguities of like command. It's not like a war game, which, which tends to be puzzle like this is very organic. You're not trying to capture a hill because it's an objective. You need to, you like, you end up getting pulled onto that hill because you keep taking fire from enemy units that are on it. Like, there's right, no objective sure. there. You just can't leave that hill open. You need to get somebody up there or you're going to get ruined. Right. And so it just right. feels a lot like um, feels a lot like the military history you read, right? Like, the, the why decisions are made the way they are. Why sometimes there's, like, inexplicable mistakes. Well, it's because command gets super chaotic. Right. That's interesting. I, I think it's so rare that games that especially games that pass through to a wider audience in the strategy space even think about the material like uh operation of command the the notion of like being able to click a unit and then tell it to go do a thing instantly and how like that isn't a thing you could do ever like there's always some delay of command even now even with like uh, communications technology uh but especially in world war ii especially in ancient times the idea of like clicking on a unit and being oh yeah just go here and fuck them up is just like no no someone had to run over there and tell them that or like we had to have a radio operator and what happens if the radio operator gets killed um it's one of the reasons why i really liked a game that is not strictly a strategy game which was chrome hounds uh, a fantastic <laughs> mech game from the from the xbox 360 made by FromSoft, um in which the only way to talk to your other like people on your team was to have a specific command mech and to capture a radio outpost and that was the only way that you could actually speak with the rest of your teammates um and it was so good like yes interesting like the, this is a very mechanics first exploration of what like warfare actually looks like when it comes to command and operations and logistics and all that because otherwise it's just like impossible to say hey actually let that front go a little bit come back to base like back out back off of it let them have that for now because we want to double down over here on the other side and games that at least dig into that stuff or that make it like it's one of the reasons one of my big complaints against not complaints against but something like um a lot of the paradox games in which there's full transparency on whether or not a ploy 
will work or not has always bugged me. Not bugged me, but like I would love the version of that 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 in in politi- in the political sphere things are more unpredictable or more like have have a material uh, less transparent um, uh, sort of sort of flow to them because. Just like in warfare, we're like, yes, if if the command arrives forty minutes late, everything falls apart. That's also true in politics, and I want that in strategy games in general. Not not I don't want it to be the only way to do strategy games, but I'd like to see some more of that stuff uh, in in games like uh, Crusader Kings or or Stellaris. You know, I I just want our space because this is the other game we've been playing lately is Stellaris, mm-hmm. uh, and you know. One of the things that we're able to count on in that game is, uh, for people who know, we've been streaming that. We have a a group of of rad space uh, utopian leftists who constantly have their utopia smashed to the ground because of the fact that they have to interact with other people. Uh, And also (laughs) those other people happen to almost always be shitty slaving despots. Um, Or nice horsies. There's one nice nice horsey race. I think the horses horses are are not great. The horses are about to enter the atomic age and are oh, a right. mix of militant, authoritarian, and some other third bad one. Corporatist, uh, like capital, yeah. Oh, that's yes, right. Yeah, yes, yes, corporatist Why did I think the horses were nice? The, the llamas are nice. The, they are the pretty. The llama, you're right, I'm sorry. It's the and llamas the horses, who are nice. The horses live in our territory, so they're nice by, like... Yeah, we're yeah. trying to take care of them. We want to make sure that they're not. I don't know what we're gonna do with the horses. If the horses show up and, be, and they're bad, I don't know what we're gonna fucking do. Uh, <laughs> anyway, my point is, we can count on certain things. We can count on the when the thing comes up and that says like, "Oh yeah, we want to have a research agreement." Yes, we. It's yes, we're gonna get the research agreement. I understand that to some degree. That's about ease of use because if we had sent off a thing saying, "Hey, we think you'd like to do a research agreement with us," and if it came back no, that would suck, and they'd be like, "Ugh, like I guess we're just gonna keep trying this until it works." And I get that, but I would love some degree of ambiguity or like. Uh, lack of lack of confidence in what's going to happen. I guess Stellaris does it through those events, right? Stellaris has like science events where you're like, give this a shot. I guess we'll find out what the fuck happens. <laughs> Try to open this the Infinity Cube or whatever. Yeah, I, I think with with games like that, I think the real hesitation for embracing a design like that is just the more you start doing that and making it feel like there's like a black box inside the game, the more ever like the more it will just be outrageously frustrating uh right mm-hmm. like i mean i'm thinking back to like some of the earlier endless games before they really well they never really did get diplomacy very right but uh there were certainly uh earlier iterations of like endless space one and, and endless legend uh which made it feel like you were just sort of pushing stuff out there and like hoping it would make something happen like on a diplomatic uh front and it didn't feel like it was under like great control. It didn't always feel like it was clear to you what exactly uh, the the state of play was. Paradox's solution to that has been: we're going to give you an avalanche of detail, but it's very clear how the math is working, and it's utterly deterministic. Um, whereas this game, what's interesting is it's also put putting all its cards on the table, uh, but uncertainty is built into those cards right like the the fact that like it is a real-time game once you start letting it run it you know it it it's sort of plausible continuous time if we're being uh persnickety about it mm-hmm. but the uncertainty is you just don't know what's going to happen in terms of like what is actually going on with each individual unit uh you can always pull up detailed information uh but it's just the game is fluid enough that it feels much more uncertain than it actually is 
That's interesting. I, I, hmm. one day, Rob, you will sit me down in front of a computer and make me play oh, probably games like com- Tuesday afternoon. Up. <laughs> Not this Tuesday afternoon, but a Tuesday afternoon. Soon. Yes. You'll love yes. this. I promise. And so, and I, so will I, the Waypoint audience. Everyone's oh, going to be like, I can't wait. damn, look at this, look at this gorgeous game. This attractive minimalist presentation really speaks <laughs> to me. God. All right. I, I will commit to a Tuesday afternoon again. Probably not this Tuesday afternoon. Things are hectic right now, but soon for sure we'll dig in and you can show me oh, command. Man. It'll be like too. three hours before we can even start the scenario. It'll be great. Oh my god, you'll love it. Great. Yeah, good. Ugh. Does anyone else? Does anyone else have anything to bring to the table today? Do, do I, don't, I don't know. I blacked out for like twenty-five minutes. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. How, are, we still, are we still recording yeah, the this podcast? Is, this is Waypoint Radio episode one. Thought this was the Austin and Rob podcast. Episode one something. <laughs> I don't know. I I'll find out qu- what it is in forty minutes when the commands uh, commands orders get here. I'll know what what there episode this is. Uh, I want to do a quick shout out to a game called Florence that came out a couple of weeks ago Ooh. on at least on iOS. I'm not sure if it's on Android or not. Um, one of the co-designers of uh, Monument Valley, uh, I believe, split off to do their uh, own uh, studio. I think that was two people that like chiefly put together that game. I don't know that. Uh, particular but i i believe that might be the case anyway um florence is like a a short 30 minute uh interactive comic book is probably like like experimental storytelling i guess presented in sort of a panel like form with brief uh bits of interactivity um that are not very gamey they're more just kind of giving you uh like an example it would be um uh, one of the characters, uh, it's about a relationship and sort of like the uh, the arc of a relationship. And like one of the sequences, one of them is a painter. And so like there'll be a painting on the screen and then you will scrub away the painting and it will like reveal something about the relationship. It's a, a very interesting approach to telling a story. There's no dialogue. It is all conveyed through um, audio and uh, visual presentation. Uh, I think it succeeds in like being a, a really interesting way to tell a a story that itself is not particularly revelatory, but its presentation makes it feel uh, fresh and, and interesting. And like I said, it's it's only thirty minutes long. There's um, there, there's not much to it, but it kind of gets in and out in a way that because it's a very familiar story, it 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 doesn't feel. It doesn't like a drag along what it's trying to say. It just tries to. It just says it and then uh, moves on. And I think it's worth uh, checking out for for the ways it tries to uh, right. approach that kind of uh, storytelling. I'll check it out. Nice. I like a game that's thirty minutes. I can find say. thirty minutes. Yeah. It's moving. Uh huh. That's what that's what you love, Rob. Like clear, concise orders <laughs> to an armored battalion. Perfect. Good. God. All right. If no one else has anything else, which it sounds like we're clear. Uh, I'm going to take a dip into the question bucket real quick. If you have questions, you should send them to gaming at vice.com. We will dig into the bucket and pull something out every week. This one comes in from James from Utah, who says, Hey gang, as someone who has been a fan of the Battlefield franchise since 1942, the game, not the year, I'm really excited for Battlefield 5 or Battlefield V. We'll have to find out how they're actually going to, what they're actually going to call that thing, uh, as it has been presented so far. However, my sensibilities about fascism and the common, quote-unquote, German and Japanese soldiers have evolved quite a bit since the last time I played a World War II game. One of my favorite things about Battlefield 1 was its, was its generally humanistic flavor, but I, I feel quite a bit different about a space that includes the Holocaust and the occupation of China. Do you think there's space for Battlefield 5 to toe a line similar to Battlefield 1 without getting too mushy about the people who made fascism possible? Uh, and how does all that play out in multi in a multiplayer mode where one team is going to be donning Axis uniforms? Thanks, James from Utah. 
Um, I think this is a really interesting question because, so for people who don't know, Battlefield 1's story mode basically hopped all around that conflict and showed it from every possible side. Uh, not every possible side, from, from, but from multiple possible sides. Uh, and, and kind of did the, like, here's how this person's life was impacted by, by World War I. Uh, I'm curious to see if that's how they do World War II or if it's just that same thing, but only from the Allied side, which is probably my suspicion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Good you know? luck if you're good luck if you're gonna try to do uh both sizing that one. That would be the storytelling on display in uh both uh Battlefield One, who who's I, I admired what they were trying to do. I think it was an interesting approach. It was something I wanted to see them explore more of, but between that and Battlefront uh or Star Wars Battlefront two, yeah. like this is not a studio that seems necessarily equipped to like try and tell the story of uh, that just seems really hmm, just don't just, <laughs> just I mean yes like do I want someone to do that like in some like on some level yes but I just don't know that like that's the game that's the studio or that they have uh, have proven that like, maybe they could pull they are that off the chops, I, yeah yeah um um and I just don't know if like a battlefront game is necessary like just given like what needs to occur uh mechanically and i just don't know that that's necessarily the world to to explore that but i i am i am interested to see what they do with their storytelling in this one because i they they were on to something even if it didn't necessarily land in all the ways that they wanted but they definitely were on to something in terms of the the presentation like it the the fact that it was just little vignettes as opposed to we're going to do like a big through line uh, like it was fine um, and, and in some ways works better for like a familiar conflict in which like what's the new way we're going to gin up you following this set of soldiers around like right. maybe don't and maybe just like pluck a bunch of sort of short stories that you can uh, both like sort of convey to players mechanically what they're going to be getting into for the multiplayer which is also what the single player functions as so uh, yeah I'm, I'm I'm curious but yeah I mm-hmm. With the with, with the the question person proposes uh, strikes me as uh, difficult um, in the extreme. I'm curious too what they end up doing with multiplayer as a, as um, the question asker brought up. Like it's been a little. What what did um, Call of Duty World War Two do with it? Was it just Allied and Axis? Yeah. Or? Yeah, so there's like, let's go for it. I think that's probably what's going to happen, and I suspect most players are are going to be fine with it. Um, there's a degree to which I think there's a compartmentalization that happens, especially when playing multiplayer games, because your character is not a member of anything. Your character is a collection of of gears and uh, gear, you know, icons and perk upgrades and weapon modifications. That's who your character is. They just don whatever uniforms tossed at them during the spawn screen, you know? Um, And that's kind of, I I think you you would need a game to really lean into some sort of like narrative side uh, of, of multiplayer for people to actually become upset by that. Uh, uh, you know, I, more power to people who are like, no, I really can't dig being able to put on, you know, the the soldier of a or the the uniform of a of a an Axis soldier, a German soldier, a Nazi soldier. Like, I I can I can see where you're coming from there for sure. Um, I've done it so many times in games, like especially growing up, especially playing multiplayer shooters. It's just like, yeah, no, one side. I mean, this is just Counter Strike, right? Like, who who are you playing as? Are you playing as the the terrorists or the counter terrorists? Every time, just flip it around. Uh, and it's a, it's definitely always been a weird thing. Um, obviously, America's Army, I guess, is the one <laughs> that stands out as being a game that that avoids that issue, quote-unquote. We're all Americans here. Yeah, exactly. Are you familiar with... Are y'all familiar with... Oh, yeah. That bridge yeah. level is good. 
Wait, Wait which which bridge level? Oh, America's Army. The uh, oh, I never played. I never, I never, I played, never played America's Army. It had one legit great map uh, that was sort of a battle for control of a bridge. Uh, one side's holding it, and uh, the other side is trying to storm it. It was quality, right? Good, but Great. it turns I'm... out like to, to, maybe there's a you know commentary uh, that you know we've met the enemy and he is us, uh, right? That, of course, that each side thought that they were America's army. <laughs> that is for people who don't know. When you played America's Army, which is a game produced by America's Army, uh, you always played as America's Army. You never played as as Op Four. You never played as as the opposition. You were always saw yourself as America's Army, as America's Army in America's Army. Yes. So that was that was a, a very specific way for them to build a game to help recruit people into America's Army. Uh, I'm going to move on so hey, I don't hey. say. I'm, yeah, I'm different AA, but you know. Yeah, it's a different one. This one comes in from Lillian, who asks a very important question. Are cars counted as mecha? What does oh, count as this. mecha? In a discussion <laughs> earlier with some friends, I came to a requirement that it was articulated functional joints. But are there, like, good, understandable requirements? We know there are non-humanoid mecha, that horse in G Gundam for one, and stationary ones. Are those cranes for shipping containers mecha? Um, so I think this is a good question. And the answer is, yeah, well, because <laughs> the the answer is really broad, but also very specific. Um, in in Japan, if you're a mecha fan, it does not only mean giant robots. Like a mecha fan, a mecha otaku in Japan, mecha is just short for mechanical. So yes, cars are mecha, guns ah. are mecha, computers, especially ones that like click and and clink <clears throat> and like move in mechanical ways. You can be a mecha otaku who's into, like, old retro computing. Um, that said, I think the way that we use them, we tend to want some degree of articulation. We do want there to be limbs, even if they're not humanoid limbs, or uh, a turret that moves or something. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mecha descriptivist, not a mecha, uh, uh, you know, um, the other one. I'm so tired. I need to sleep so much more. So where does Into the Breach fall? Top Gear was mecha. Top Gear is definitely mecha cult. Like, I guarantee you, if you go to, to Japanese mecha forums, um, you will absolutely see them posting about Top Gear, 100%. Car mecha is, like, a, a huge thing. Into the Breach, they're all mechs. They're all mechs. That's why, like, even though one of them is just a tank what rams into things, it does just say, like, ram mech or whatever. <laughs> and, like, yeah, all right, that's a mech now. I'm good with it. Um, Ramming mech. Yes. Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm glad to clear up this question for you, Lillian. Um, we'll do a couple more because, because there's a couple more here that really, really line up with the conversations we've already been having. Um, William Langley asks, uh, did, the, did the timelines in Into the Breach always exist or are they created when you jump back in time? If it's the second, am I a monster for repeatedly abandoning timelines after a bad turn one? Thanks, Will. Ooh! Yes so kind and of an no. archangel kind of situation. Right. Hmm. Yes and no. What's the no? What's the yes? What's the yes? What's the no? Yes, they've always existed. If you yeah. if you hold with multi, you know, uh, multiple universe theory, and, uh -huh. and no, you're not a monster because you're doing your best. I hope. But what if you're oh, abandoning boy, your timeline? You're only logic. doing. I'm. I am. This is saying as if you're doing it in good faith, and you're only no, doing is... that to give yourself the best chance for at least one timeline existing. Because in this scenario, if this is all real. And people are dying. If you give up on the game before you win the game, 
and save humanity, that's the ultimate bad thing that could happen. So even if you're abandoning timelines and people are dying, at least one timeline has a chance. Okay, but this is the st- uh, immediately after a bad turn one. <laughs> Not three islands in, and I have to make the decision, do I want to save Ralph Carlson uh, or not? This is bad turn one. You know... That's bad. That, you you're, might be a monster. You're a, bad, That's a you're, bad. You're, you're a bad person. You're right. Also, also, I have bad news. Like, winning into the breach doesn't save humans across all timelines. No, there I understand. So many... I'm saying it, it okay. saves some people at some point. I see. Yes. Some good is done, possibly, if you win. Danielle's yeah, over there I'm being the... like, you know, the Lutesses were really the heroes of Bioshock. <laughs> <laughs> oh! God. Ugh. Lord. Five years. Oh man! All right, that's that's. It seems. Does anyone else have any have any feelings about time travel ethics? I'm just glad they frame it that way because it would have been very, you know, just oh, just restart. Like is like yeah. to try again. Like I li- like it's. It makes it all the weirder for it to be like, nah, you just a ban- like that timeline's fucked. Like, see ya. They do some good humanity. work. Um, so the game was written partially, at least, by Chris Avalon, and 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 the writing has some really great little nods to the time travel weirdness. There's definitely one where I think it's Bethany, who's one of my favorite pilots, yeah. is uh, when she finds a pod, is just like, I wonder if I could be in one of these pods. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, why couldn't she be? Could you meet yourself in a different time pod if you were one of these pilots? That would be fucked up. It's very interesting. She I, definitely I came in a pod for me. So totally, but yeah. do, but could she see herself again? Yes, she totally. Or could. is there only one across the timelines? It, are are they all out of the timeline now and different types of beings that exist across the timeline? So there's only one of them, or are there infinite them? This sounds like probably a infinite. Paradox. Actually, is that what I haven't seen the Cloverfield Pirate Paradox yet? Is that, oh man, there's, there's some cro- there's some crossover. My phone is ringing. Into Sorry. the into the Cloverfield paradox, the new game <laughs> from Waypoint. <laughs> hey, some of the some of the creatures in Into the Breach look like a lot like Clovey from Cloverfield, so not that far off. That's true. Are they that? There's specifically one tomorrow. creature. Yes, Edge of Tomorrow. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's the. <laughs> Uh, I think they are. I'm pretty sure they are. Because they, they, they have, yeah, they've said they wanted to do a, a sequel that apparently, like, is a straight up sequel. Like, picks up after the last moments of that really? movie, which like is okay. Like, oh, do you see what the name pe- of it is? I don't think have they announced this. this oh, they did announce a sequel's title, didn't they? It's Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. No, yeah, bad, extremely bad. That will not That's survive. A, that will not so be it, the title uh, of that movie. They continue to struggle ah! to figure out a way to. Something to call uh-huh. this, this movie by. Name their movie? Yeah. Name their movie. Just call it the underrated sci-fi movie part two. That'd that movie's fun. good. That movie's I like, cool. I like movie. it a lot. Yeah, yeah it's a great... It's, Emily Blunt is fucking phenomenal in that movie. Oh my god. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, the other thing, there's a Sicario 2 they're making. What? And yeah, Villeneuve and Blunt what? are both off the project. It's, it's just bad. Benicio Del Toro like killing people with like yeah, impact dude, it feels like it doesn't understand what that move what that movie is. No. It doesn't understand what that first movie no. is. It's like man, wasn't Benicio Del Toro awesome as he murdered all those drug dealers with like <laughs> righteous fury? And like yes, but <laughs> there's a point to that first movie, right. and it's not that there should be a sequel with more of that. <laughs> My understanding is that it's supposed to be part of like three movies. Oh so. my god! Okay. Oh my god. Uh, we live in a world. We do. Just we really do. More Emily Blunt action vehicles, please. 
Yep. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. What's she what's she working in now? What's she what's she doing? Is she in any video games? How do we bring this back to video games? <laughs> it doesn't uh, well, matter. What, when I Google search I'm gonna see what comes up with Emily Blunt video games. She's doing okay. the voice for a character named Juliet in an animated uh, uh movie coming out this month called Sherlock Gnomes. Oh, <laughs> I've seen trailers for that. I, I look through. I, yeah. I look through the kids' movies to see what's coming my way. Okay? Like, what, you know, it's my because look. I love me uh, some mouse detective. No. It does. It doesn't look very. No, this looks it bad. Looks bad. Dude, this looks, it looks not bad. good. But she is going to be in uh, my one of my probably my anticipated movie of the year, A Quiet Place. Uh, oh, that uh, looks good. Uh, John Krasinski. Uh, what's his What's his face? Jim from the Office. Jim from the Office. Is yeah his directorial uh, directorial oh, debut. I didn't know he was it's, directing that. I knew he was in it. I didn't know he was directing. Yeah, he, he directed. It's his first uh, movie, and it, it premiered at uh, South by Southwest this weekend, and was apparently like like extremely good. So um, also, apparently, Ready Player One is better than better than trash, which doesn't necessarily mean it's good. That's the the impression. The reviews coming out basically suggest like Emily ah, Blunt was secretly in. Okay, it. I mean that would help <laughs> as as Rita from Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I just stumbled onto the Internet Movie Firearms database, and oh, no. I just have to oh, log off. Yeah. Oh, it's no. Just, it's just Emily Blunt can be seen using the following weapons in the following films, and then it's a breakdown of what weapons she uses in her various movies. Okay. Let's stop. Okay. I'm going to leave. I'm going to yeah. back off. We live in a fucking world, We live in y'all. a world. Anyway, I hope, I hope Emily Blunt gets to do a a video game one day. I, that I would be agree. cool. I'm Austin Walker. I think it's going to do it for us this week. <laughs> on that note, uh, as always, thank you for listening. You can follow us at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice, waypoint.vice.com for everything else, pretty much. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R.I. or also at Emily Blunt Fan Club. Do Ooh, pushups.com. Emily... Yep. Wait, what was that last, what was that last bit? Emily... Uh-huh. fan uh-huh. club uh-huh. do push-ups do push-ups she That's does these ad- amazing push-ups in in, in uh, Edge of Tomorrow live die repeat whatever you want to call guy. it that's how she push-ups. begins they're called uh, god I forget what they're called but you, it's like you go under the fence and you go under the fence again you go under the fence you go under the fence again they're really really great for your traps all I'm saying and your triceps gotcha. actually yeah good to know yeah um Oh, yeah, those. I remember those. Okay, yep. yeah, I've now looked up a video. Rob, where can people find you? <laughs> At Rob Zachney on Twitter. Uh, how about you, Patrick? I don't like the term traps. It's, I don't know. I, I meant the muscle. Don't call my body. The, the yeah. trape- I'm sorry. I get it. I, yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. Muscle. I'm, just, I, I'm just saying if someone tells me, like, go work on my traps, it's just, I don't know. I, I understand. It's It, it sounds <sighs> weird. It sounds just got to raise your crafting skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fine, that'll get me good at Fortnite. Finally, uh, I played Fortnite. That's the other thing I played. Stop I, it! No, this, this podcast is an hour and ten minutes long. I didn't like Hold it that it. much. I tried. I uh-huh. just tried. There's a guy jumping at me. He had a he had a shotgun. I had a shotgun. He kept building a wall so I couldn't shoot him. And then I shot him and he died. We jumped a lot. There's a lot of like bunny hopping, and then I killed him. I took his stuff and then I built a, 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 a stairway and then I got killed by you another guy. You sound very excited. I really want to know. I really want to wrap my head around that game because it's so big, and I want to understand it. And I don't enjoy it at all. I enjoyed it as a co-op, the save the night one. I enjoyed, 
I'm not enjoying the the PUBG version, the Battle Royale version at all, and I don't know why. So I might continue to put a couple of hours into that this week. Anyway, thanks to you, Bowen, letting us use the check. Miss you <laughs> of the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more about that waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. All right, that's going to do it for us. Danielle, take us out. Be good. Be good at it. And uh, do push-ups like Emily Blunt. Oh, damn. That was an FN Scar H. Oh, oh but it was visually God. modified for Edge of Tomorrow. Peace. Okay. Peace. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.